0: The following program has been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: say throne of mercy. While on no, no, earth'st thou a uh, call
2: Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He slept. And then coming with his disciples the next morning at dawn, he was once more in the temple courts. The people gathered around him. And he sat down and began to teach them. We find this story in the book of John, the eighth chapter. The people are gathered around Jesus eager to hear the words of wisdom that are coming from the Lord's lips. And suddenly there is a commotion over on the side. Some of the Pharisees are coming. They're half dragging, half pushing, half pulling. A woman disheveled, just something thrown around her. They've just literally pulled her from a bed of adultery. And in her shame... She is brought before Jesus. Of course, you know what's going to happen in a crowd when this occurs. Everyone is wide awake. The tension could be cut with a knife. No one is sure what's happening. Some, I'm sure, were frightened. They knew this was a major confrontation. They made her stand before the entire group, brought her right up front stood her up in front of people, ashamed, knowing that the law decreed that she should now be taken out of the city and stoned to death. They had a perfect right to do this legally. They said, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In other words, they were witnesses to this adultery. They said to her in verse 5, In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question, obviously, as a trap, in order to have a basis for accusing him. On the one hand, they thought if Jesus were to say, stoner, then he would be keeping the law, but he would be offending the Romans. And he would now be accused of the Romans of setting himself up as a judge when only the Romans, by law, had the right to decree the death penalty. On the other hand, if he said, let her go, they would say, see, we told you, he doesn't uphold the law. So the real issue that's being dealt with was righteousness. And law-keeping. Jesus did not answer, but he bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger in the dust. But they kept pushing him. Come on, we need an answer. What do we do with this woman? I'm sure she was weeping. She was embarrassed. She was humiliated. She was frightened. Jesus finally straightened. And he said, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped over and continued writing. I've often wondered, what was he writing? I suspect he was writing lists of sins, perhaps even attaching names of the Pharisees to the sins. Whatever it was, it was definitely exposing the reality of their lives. But I want you to catch what's happening. Up to this point, they had lived under the law. But now, in Jesus, a righteousness that was not of the law had come among them. All of us have imagined that the only way you could be righteous is to keep the law, do what you're supposed to do, and then you're righteous. Get it right. Have any of you tried this maneuver? Get it right. And if you don't get it right, you will be stoned. And most of us today don't need anyone else to do the stoning. We're very good at stoning ourselves. But Jesus was not saying, pick up stones and cast them at her. Because now a righteousness is coming that is not of the law. Some of you have exhausted yourselves today trying to do everything you were supposed to do. And you know you fell short. And so some of you did the same thing this woman did. I would imagine that this woman tried to be a good wife. I think she probably did her best, in fact, to be a good wife. But as the years went by and her husband only had condemnation and judgments against her, I'm sure her heart grew very hard. And she began to look around. And there was this other man who treated her with such incredible tenderness and kindness and always seemed to understand her. And finally she said, look, at least I need a little love in my life. And does it matter where I get the love as long as I get some love? I'm going to die in this marriage of legalism. Now, maybe it wasn't adultery that you committed. Maybe you pulled that one off in another area of your life where you said, I'm not getting any love here. I think I'll go over here. I'm not getting any respect over here. I think I'll go over here. I'm not getting any money over here, so I think I'll go over here. Always jumping and shifting to try to find where I can get what I want and what I need so I can live. And then mix into that mess is always what we know to be right. In the way we should treat others, the way we should talk with others, we know there's a right way. Not able to do it. So we finally settled on some catchphrases that said, I'll just do my best. That's all I can do. After all, I'm just human. What do you expect of me? Look, I did nine things right out of the ten. Why don't you look at the nine things I did right and say thank you? Why do you look at the tenth thing that I missed and say, get it right? There's a righteousness that opens up a path that is not of this law. And it comes from Jesus Christ. This woman is standing before the crowd. Her head, I'm sure, is bowed. Tears are filling her eyes. She has no idea what her husband is going to say when he sees her dead body. I'm sure she's convinced they're going to stone her. And Jesus quietly says to her, woman, where are they? And through her tears, she looks up and they're all gone. And he asks her the question, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Oh, wait a minute. How can Jesus say that? Legally, Jesus cannot say that because the blood has not been shed on Calvary's tree yet. It's the blood that opens the way so that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Jesus opens it for this woman prematurely. And he says, now go and leave your life of sin. Now, is there any way Jesus could tell this woman to go and leave her life of sin if, in fact, she could not leave her life of sin? Would he tell the lepers to go to the high priest and show themselves to the high priest if he didn't know that as they were journeying to the high priest they would be healed of their leprosy? Was it possible that these lepers would show up in the temple and be stoned to death for coming in covered with leprosy? No. Logic tells us Jesus would not send lepers to see the priest to be declared clean if he had not healed them of their leprosy. So he could not speak to this woman and say, now go and leave your life of sin, any more than he could speak to the lepers if he didn't mean for them to be healed of the sin. He says in verse 12, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here's the problem that I see. Let's say I have adultery in my heart. I don't, but let's say for the example that I have adultery in my heart. And I don't want that adultery in my heart. I don't want that lust in my heart. And so I cry out to Jesus and I say, Jesus, I have lust in my heart. Would you remove it by your blood? And he says, yes. Go and leave your life of sin. Now the question is, where do I go? He said to her, go and leave your life of sin. Where does she go? Do you catch it yet? We have a sin in our heart, in our life, and we know it's harming us. We know it's hurting us. We know it's causing us grief. And we're very desirous of having this thing removed from us or having this sickness healed in our bodies or having a relationship restored or having something done for us. And so we ask Jesus and he says, yes, I'll do that for you. And then we go on our way. And we have received a wonderful gift. Hmm? Is that not a wonderful gift? If I were standing before you tonight and I had cancer. And I said, would you all please join and pray with me that God will heal my cancer. Because if God will heal this cancer, I'll be able to continue loving my wife. I'll be able to continue pastoring your, your heart in this fellowship. I need to be healed of this cancer. And so I go to the Lord and you go to the Lord and the Lord heals me of this cancer. And then I go on my way. And I've received a wonderful gift. And I can bear testimony. I didn't have any possibility of healing of this cancer. And God healed me of this cancer. And now I'm going on my way. See, most of us in this room have received incredible gifts from God. And then gone on our way. And when we need another gift from God, we ask him for another gift as we go on our way. There's another avenue. What I've just described for you does not remove us from the curse of the law. It only lifts the burden a little bit from our heart. But it still lets us remain under the curse of the law because we're going on our way a way that seems right to us. But it's a way that leads to death. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're going on your way, you're walking in darkness under the curse of the law. If, on the other hand, You have determined in your heart that now you are going to go the way of the Lord. His presence will accompany you. Your presence will accompany Jesus. It's not going on your way. Verse 21 I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Wait a minute, these are people who listened to Jesus preach, who saw the miracles, who perhaps were even healed. I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. While they are looking for him, they die in their sin. Pastor, I'm looking for Jesus. Well, why are you looking for Jesus? Do you need something from him? Oh, yes, I need need this burden lifted from my heart. I need him to do this for me. I need him to open this door at work. I need him to take care of this problem in my family. I need him to do... I have a whole list of to-dos for Jesus. Where can I find Jesus? And you will die in your sin. While you're looking for Jesus, you'll die in your sin. It's not looking for Jesus that wins life and salvation It's following Jesus. That's where the life is. So I can be a very religious person. These were all very religious people Jesus was talking to. They were all people who were going their own way, a way that seemed right to them. And Jesus interrupts that way that seems right to them and says, While you're looking for me, you will die in your sin. While you're looking for me, you'll die in your sin. So let's be clear now. Looking for Jesus, being hungry for Jesus, desiring Jesus, is not enough to save you. Because you're still under the law while you're looking for Jesus. Your conscience is still convicting you. You're still committing sin against the Almighty God. You've not left your life of sin because you're on your way. You're not following Him. Verse 23... You are from below. I am from above. You're of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They ask. Who are you? And he answers, just what I've been claiming all along. I have much to say in judgment of you, Jesus says. Verse 31. To those who did believe in him, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Wait a minute. Now you've got the context. What does the truth set you free of? Hmm? The law. It sets you free from sin. And setting you free from sin sets you free from the law. You can be set free, not free to go your own way, but free to go the way of the Spirit, at the direction of the Spirit. Look with me at Romans, the third chapter. This is a gold mine that we need to understand. Verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. And then he goes through this whole litany of description regarding the nature of man. There's nothing good in us. That is, in our unspiritual self. There's nothing good in us. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be made righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Let's be clear. The only reason the law was given was to let us see our problems, to let us see our issues, to uncover us, to bring us in the midst of our adultery, wide out in the open, right up there in front of Jesus. That's what the law does. It grabs us by the scruff of the neck and it drags us out of our beds of adultery, right up in front of the world so that everybody can see us, this is who you are. The law was never meant to make us righteous. It was only meant to expose our sin. The law was given for the purpose of increasing our understanding of the desperate condition of our hearts. It was never meant to be something we lived under. Of course, Peter said, why should we put these new Christians under this law? We've never been able to keep it. We ourselves have never been able to keep it. There has to be another source of righteousness that comes into our lives. But now... A righteousness from God, verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are made righteous freely, by His grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of propitiation. Do you remember that word? As a sacrifice of atonement seat. The atonement seat was to carry away our sin. The blood was to wash it to bring forgiveness for the past. The mercy seat was to carry it away until it could be put on Azazel the goat and taken out of the camp. So the picture we get here is that a person comes condemned under the law. That's how we have all come into this as we come condemned by the law, there is a righteousness now that comes from God that is given to us. It is a free gift. And the sin of our life is carried away from us so that we no longer walk in sin. There is righteousness in our hearts and in our lives as a miracle of God's grace to us. That path of righteousness is only found in the light as we follow after Jesus Christ and not after money and not after family and not after security, not after things, not after success, not after sports, not after anything or anybody except Jesus Christ the source of righteousness flowing out. Can we make this very practical? I wake up in the morning. What shall I do with this day? You, of course, recognize that all of us have the same amount of time. How much time did you have today? 24 hours. We all have the same amount of time. Now the question is, what shall we do with that time? if you decide that with that time you are going to pursue your goals and then you're going to ask God through Jesus to come and lift out the burdens that you've encountered as you have gone on your way, you're under the law and your life is going to be exhausting and miserable and hard and depression will set in Why? Because you're walking in darkness. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. The end thereof is destruction. There is another way. And this is the flowing source of righteousness in our lives. As I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, what would you have me do today? Go to the prayer closet. I'm on the way. How long would you have me remain in the prayer closet? Get ready and go to work now. I'm on my way. What would you have me do at work today, Lord? Take care of this. Take care of that. Say this to your boss. Don't say this to your boss. Call this person. Do this all day long, only doing what is given to us to do by the Holy Spirit as we follow Jesus. Oh, but pastor, Jesus isn't talking to me. Then you're not following him, so you're not close enough to hear him talk. And you're under the law and condemnation. It means coming back, letting the law accomplish its work in your heart. Recognizing that you're off base and saying, Jesus, would you come and speak with me? I talked with a man this last week. He was bitterly angry with his brother, a twin brother. The latest offense had been that he had gone to his truck and stolen his tools. He was so mad, he went home and got his handgun and went out searching for his brother to shoot him, to murder him. One of his friends told him, I think your brother went down to this church. He went into that church with his handgun tucked in the back of his pants with his shirt over it to kill his brother. He was going to shoot him even in the church. And he stood in the back looking for his brother. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you belong to me. Lay down your gun. You're not going to shoot your brother. I brought you here. Now repent. And he fell on the carpet and began to weep. And that night became a Christian. I said, does the Holy Spirit still talk to you? He said, Pastor, I'd be lost if the Holy Spirit didn't talk to me. He said, I only do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. If I didn't, I'd go murder my brother. Now you've got it. That's the deal. You either follow the Holy Spirit, you follow Jesus, or you'll spend your time murdering your brothers and sisters. Oh, maybe not with a handgun. No, you'll do it much more subtly with gossip. Or you'll do it with withholding your love and your fellowship. You'll do it by setting yourself up as superior. Oh, we have 101 ways of murdering our brother or sister. Rage and bitterness, hardness of heart. As we walk under the law, can you imagine a man walking under, into a church with a gun in his pants to kill his brother. And the Holy Spirit chooses that moment to fall on him and change his heart. That's grace. The Holy Spirit wants to do the same thing in you. And tonight I'm asking you to evaluate very carefully the path you're walking on. Are you on your own path? Or are you following Jesus? Does the Holy Spirit speak to you and give you instruction regarding each step of your day? Or are you on your own path, crying out to the Lord and looking for Jesus, and he's nowhere to be found, and you're going to die in your sin? Are you willing to leave the righteousness that you desire to achieve from doing it right and come to Jesus and let the righteousness of Jesus be placed in your heart as you simply follow his direction to you? Now, I'll tell you the struggle that I've had so many years. I want to follow Jesus. But inevitably, when I want to follow Jesus, he asks me to do things that I don't want to do. He asks me to say things that I don't want to say. He asks me to give things that I can't afford to give. And when I take that course of action before God, I'm on my own way again. The Holy Spirit has never left me. I've left him. And inevitably, when I've left him, he comes crying behind me. The early church fathers called him the hound of heaven. You could hear his braying behind you. And finally, in exhaustion, when you fall to the ground, because you can't take another step, you suddenly feel him licking your face. And you say, okay. Okay. I'll follow the Holy Spirit until He wants you to go somewhere you don't want to go. See, it's the spirit of independence. It's the spirit of self-possession. It's the spirit of pride. It's the spirit of survival. If I follow the Holy Spirit, am I going to survive? Well, my survival, of course, has to be based on my best judgment. I'm following my own way. What would happen tonight if you simply made a covenant with the Lord God of heaven and said, regardless of what the consequences are, I'm going to speak the word you give me to speak. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to quickly do it. I'm not going to wait for two weeks. I'm going to do it now, urgently, quickly. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to cast myself, Jesus, totally at your, at your feet. Now, either I'm going to perish or I'm going to, I'm going to live. And whether I perish or whether I live, it's up to you. Are you willing? Would you do this? Some of you have been such a joy in my heart because as soon as you get a word, you reset the sail. Some of you are in intense pain in my heart because the word keeps being spoken and you might adjust your sail five degrees when it's a 30-degree change that's necessary. So I'm satisfied with that one or two or three or five degrees. But I know I'm going to have to come back again and say the same thing all over again. Then come back and say the same thing all over and try to find a creative new way to say it. I mean, how many ways can you say, look, why don't we simply follow Jesus and trust him and lay down our own way and allow the righteousness of God to flow into our hearts and begin to transform us into his image so that we're after his likeness. I am never going to be made righteous by trying to do it right. I'm never going to be able to take care of my children now as they're married and have husbands and grandkids for us. I'm never going to be able to tell my kids what they're supposed to do. All I can do and all I want to do is speak into their lives the word that Jesus puts on my lips, whether they like it or not. I'm not in a popularity contest with my children or my grandkids. They can like me or not like me. It matters not to me it doesn't matter to me if you like me or not. What matters to me is whether Jesus Christ finds me following him. That's what matters to me. Not being caught out here saying, Lord, the National Prayer Chapel has to have a place of its own. Lord, could you give us a place of our own? And then the National Prayer Chapel go its own path and devise some clever scheme to grow and begin to insinuate flesh into the way we function as a congregation so that everybody can be pleased and happy. God didn't call me to keep you happy. He called me to keep you holy. That's my job. Did you know that's your job? That's your job. Because you have a whole flock of people in your life that you're pastoring. And dare I say it? Most of those people aren't here tonight because you've been keeping all those people happy. You've been keeping those people happy with you. They love you. Why shouldn't they? You pamper them in a way that seemeth right unto a man, but in the end, destruction. We have to make some hard choices. Jesus will come on occasion and do something wonderful for us to show us that he loves us. He'll heal a sick person. He'll restore the finances. He'll lift us out of this or he'll lift us out of that as we cry out to him. And then, if we go on with our life, following our own path, we've slapped the face of Jesus. We've walked into the darkness. And now comes discouragement and despair and tiredness, exhaustion. Now comes tribulation. Now comes striving. Our peace is gone. Now comes bitterness and anger, striking of one another with wicked fists, snapping at each other, floating this way and that way, no stability. We're off track. We're scattered like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord tonight is calling us together to walk together in Jesus Christ, to lay our lives down, To let the law no longer have authority or power over us. But to be made righteous. By following after Jesus Christ. Almighty God. I plead tonight. That we as a people. Would follow after you Jesus. Follow after you Jesus with all of our hearts. Thank you, mighty God. I pray in your name. Amen. I
3: was a- separated, the breach was far too wide, but from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight, so you chains, freed my soul for the first glorious life. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right
2: Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
4: sinful hearts. He is our great Redeemer. Sing to Jesus, honor